Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Turn in your Bibles uh, with me to Romans chapter 5 as we resume our series in the book of Romans. Uh, with a great uh, Easter Sunday, uh, an encouraging message, Resurrection Sunday, and now we're back, the sun is out, we're back in the book of Romans. Father God, this morning I pray, as we read your word, study your word, Lord God, and consider your great love for us this morning, that our hearts will be receptive to the work of your Holy Spirit, that you will teach us, convince us, convict us, and grow us. And we will be grateful for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read our scripture this morning. I think I will take the time to read the entire passage. Um, If you'd like to follow along, beginning in verse 12 of Romans chapter 5, through the end of the chapter. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, Even so, grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I say, Amen. Amen, because that is a difficult passage of Scripture. Look, look, I I went to, what do they call it, when uh, that one game show where one of your choices was you could choose a friend and you could call someone and ask them, you want to be a millionaire. And you could ask someone to help you answer your questions so that you could get that money and move to the next level. Well, I pushed that button the other day. I pushed that button and I emailed my professor. 
and he said, good luck. No. He said, Charlie, this is a, this is a tough passage of scripture. And he said, I, I, I don't really have time to sit with it today, but this little clue, that little clue, you know. And it was just enough encouragement for me to, to not skip it. And, and to, no, I wouldn't have done that. I'd, I'd do a poor job before I would skip it, and I still might do that. But so here we go. Have, so do you guys ever watch, I don't know if you ever watched that show, This Is Us. But, but I'm, I'm addicted to it, right? And we watch it almost every week. And y'all know, if, if you know Jalen, Jalen like, Jalen and I, now I'm going to be careful in my, my manners. Jalen and I will text each other during the show, right? Because we're both like so emotionally glued to the show. Like we're supposed to be grown men, right? I shouldn't be outing my friend like that. But Jalen was like, oh my gosh, you see that last, you see that last night? And I'm like, oh, mind blown, I can't believe Oh, yeah. Jalen, sometimes we text during the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jalen's like a goner, right? So, but you see, so, to, but today, and, and all about the power of one, okay? So, so, so uh, today's sermon is titled, The Power of One. So, the show goes back and forth in the history from the time, right, from the time that Jack and... Rebecca met, and then they have the children, and and then you know. Um, so, spoiler alert: any of you not don't even know what I'm talking about. So, if you ever watch this, oh, I need I need to be careful if you ever watch it in the future. But the show goes from the past, from when they first met, and it goes all the way to when their children have children, and they are grandparents, and then there's all these relationships in between. But you see how like the actions of one person altered the future for everybody else in the family. So at one point in the series, um, someone gives the family an old coffee maker. And the old coffee, so like you, you, you accept the gift and the coffee maker burns the house down. Well, I don't, huh? Crock pot burns. <laughs> see, see, don't get old. The crock pot burns the house down. And without spoiling the whole thing, it alters life for everyone else in the family. After That's what this chapter, that's what the second half of Romans 5 is like, okay? So, so you hear the word one. You hear one, the one, eight or nine. I don't, um, I, I do count. Um, I have it down eight times in this passage. And, and as I looked through, I thought, wow, this really is... This really is the power of one. The actions, the behavior, the choice of one man. The actions, the choice, the behavior, if you will, of God on our behalf. Uh, the obedience of one man, if you will, and the disobedience of one man. Each one altered, altered the course of life for all of humankind and altered the course of eternity for many. So that's kind of what this chapter is about. And so, so here we go, the power of one, okay? And I'll give it to you up front today in verses 15, um, excuse me, get back, Charlie. In verses 12 through 14, the reason, the reason we need a savior. Verses 15 through 17, the ruin and remedy of sin. 
or I've said it properly, the ruin of and remedy for sin in verses 15 through 17, and the result, the result of one man's obedience, verses 18 through 21. So we have the reason, the ruin, and the remedy, and the result in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. This is so important for who we are as followers of Jesus Christ, and it's so important for how we treasure the gospel ourselves and the importance even of sharing the gospel with others. Let me explain. So um, verses 12 through 14, man, I just, I'm going to have a hard time honing my discourse this morning. Um, verses 12 through 14 here, we see the impact of sin, okay? We see the impact of sin. What Paul is talking about is Adam here. And if we go back, if we went back to Genesis chapter 3, and we see the fall of man. We see that Eve was deceived, Adam and Eve sinned, they fell to the cunning temptation of Satan, and it altered the course of life for all humankind. So, in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, that was the inception of fear, guilt, and shame. They hid in God from God, hide from God, right? Come on, let's hide in the bushes. God won't see us. They hid from God fear, guilt. They covered themselves with fig leaves, shame. Fear, guilt, and shame. They knew they had disobeyed the one thing that God asked them to do or not to do. You know, um, the impact of sin in one family. What was the result of that? Guilt, shame, blame, right? <laughs> Eve said, he tricked me. Adam said, she lied to me. They said, oh, it's the serpent's fault. So all this finger pointing, right? Uh, we see here how cunning temptation is. We see here the effects and the impact of sin. Um, and it is the reason that we need a Savior. But there's a lot going on here in 12 through 14. But let's just say, so we see the impact of sin in one family. If you flipped the page in your Bible, just one, one page for most of us, depending on uh, uh, what you have there, you see the story of Cain, the account of Cain and Abel in the Bible. Uh, Adam and Eve have children. The impact of sin immediately or, or, or is, you know, um, becomes apparent in the lives of their children. Cain and Abel are working. They each bring an offering to God. God shows favor to Abel's offering. Cain, what happens? Cain is angry. Cain is jealous. Listen to what God says, though. Then the Lord God said in Genesis 4, 6 to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? Listen to this is so, if you do well, if, Cain has a choice here, God is speaking, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain has the opportunity to overcome sin. He has the opportunity 
for his sin not to go any further than the anger that he and jealousy that he feels towards his brother, right? But what happens? Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. The impact, um, the impact of my sinfulness can affect generations of my family. Now, this is not to like bring everybody down on this beautiful sunny morning, but the impact even of who my parents are and their sinfulness um, and their humanity impacts my life. We learn a lot, I, even at my age, which I won't go reveal to you today because it'll dep Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm learning, wow. I am learning things about why I am who I am or why I behave the way I behave. And some of it is in direct relationship to the past, to, to the generation before me, my parents, my family of origin, who we were and the kind of things um, that my aunts and uncles and parents did on both sides of my family or didn't do. If you are a person in recovery from addiction, we talk about this, that um, um, I think people are, let me say it right, headed, wow, the words aren't working, hereditarily predisposed yes. to addiction. The whole thing about genetics, I got to leave that to the scientists. <laughs> but I do believe in that we are hereditarily predisposed based on who we are and where we come from, and in, in addiction. Uh, I told my own children years ago, I said, you are predisposed to, um, uh, you might be predisposed to having, I don't like the word weakness, but having um, uh, addiction could be an issue for you in the future if you're not careful. Why? Because it's a family disease, it just is. Um, I am a person in recovery, and I, my wife and I talked about it, so we shared that with our children. Um, the disease has been revealed in our family, so we wanted our children to be prepared for that, and at the appropriate time, we shared that with them. Why? Because sin has far-reaching impact in our lives and in the lives of the people we love. Not that you feel guilty or go out of here hanging your head. Actually, quite the opposite. Because God said, hey, Cain, if you do well, your countenance will be lifted up. But sin is crouching behind the door, at the door. Sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. Its desire is to own you. Separated from Jesus Christ, prior to a relationship with Jesus Christ, being in Adam, which we'll talk about again, which we'll talk about in a moment, means that, um, I said all that for a reason, means that sin does own you. In Jesus Christ, sin no longer owns you. Now we have hope that regardless of my family of origin, and I love my family, regardless of my family of origin, regardless of where I come from, regardless of who my crazy aunts and uncles are or were, y'all know y'all all got them. Uh, and you talk about, no, you shouldn't, uh, but we do. Uh, you know, regardless of all of that, but because of Jesus Christ, see, 
the impact of sin changes. Okay, the impact of sin changes. Now, so one man, sin entered the world and death came through sin. And so death spread to all men. We have already seen in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? Um, so we know, uh, apart from Jesus Christ, that we are destined for hell. There is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. But interesting, this 13 and 14 uh, is kind of a caveat. And I do want to share this with you. This is not just an aside here. Um, but you know, there was a time from Adam and Eve until Moses and the Ten Commandments that law, if you will, the law, the Ten Commandments, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, the first, second books of the law, they didn't exist. So how did God deal with sin? And it's interesting, he tells us here, Paul tells us, until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed. And so specifically, so if I lived back then, Charlie's, my sins that I committed during my lifetime specifically were not imputed or charged to me. But nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam. My sins weren't the same sin as Adam, but because of Adam, we are all sinful human beings who is a type of him who was to come. All right, we're going to just like put on the brakes. Take a deep breath. Everybody take a deep breath. You have your mask on. Take a deep breath. Here we go. This idea of type is, is a foreshadowing. And the word there literally, the tupos, in the Greek language, it would be like a stamp, a shape, a more, I like the idea of a mold, of a mold or a stamp, a pattern or a print. So from the time of Adam and Eve up until Jesus, the time that Jesus Christ came, there is that type. We're looking for a savior. Adam was a type. But there are criteria that you have to fulfill in order to be the Savior, right? You have to be sinless. You have to be God. You have to be human as well. So what have, as soon as Adam sins, it, eh, Adam's not the answer. So we get to Abraham. God calls him. Abraham obeys. But, but Abraham, he was mischievous, right? Abraham, he lied to the king, tried to get his wife through there as his sister. Kind of creepy in a way, but well, we won't. Nope, Adam, he sinned. <laughs> Moses broke the tablets, got mad at the Israelites, kicked the rock, make the water come out. What? Moses failed. So all throughout the Bible, we're looking for this type, the Savior who is to come. But there are other foreshadowings, if you will, in the Bible. In the Old Testament, we have the um, slaughter of the animals and the blood and the priests would take the blood in and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And God told them to do that because the sacrifice and the blood was a covering for the sins of the people of Israel. But only for a time. Because in the new covenant, when Christ died and shed his blood on the cross, that was for the forgiveness of sins forever for those who believe amen so so that too is a foreshadowing so adam was a type okay I, I hate to say he failed the test because we all do too right um i like to say well you know what it's all adam's fault um 
true, but you know, not an excuse for us, right? So we have this, we have this here about uh, Paul is teaching, and it is important because we see what God is doing throughout the Old Testament. And we could park here for a couple of weeks, and, and, but we won't. So we have this idea in verse um, 14 that um, Adam was a type of him who was to come, and that was Jesus Christ, okay? So verses 12 through 14 is the reason we need a Savior. The man Adam let us down, Adam and Eve, our human, our human father and mother, so now we have this, in our humanity, we have this fallen nature, okay? The impact of sin, fear, guilt, and shame are in the world now, okay? Anger, jealousy, hatred, murder, they're all in the world now. We get to, we even get to Genesis chapter 6, which I left out. And we see that at the same time, at the same time, grace is in play. How do we know that? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But what was going on? Uh, God said, you know what, Noah? The, the world is violent. And God really grieved. He said that he had created mankind. God saved righteous Noah and his family and destroys the earth. The impact of sin we see, okay? The impact of sin in one family. In Genesis 6, we see the impact of sin in the world, corruption and violence. We see the impact of my sin, I can see. Um, I probably won't share with you all my sins today. But we hear God grieving over the sins of humanity in Genesis chapter 6. The Bible said the Holy Spirit in the New Testament grieves over our sinfulness. God grieves over my sin. My sin matters to God in the sense that God grieves. God is holy. He can't have, we can't have sin in God's presence. God is holy, but God also grieves over our sin. God grieved over man's sin. We saw that in Genesis 6, 6. And then we see, though, God's grace as well. Said the same thing. Abraham, God called Abraham, right? Um, Abraham... Um, obeyed God. His obedience was, uh, it wasn't his obedience that saved him, it was his faith in God that saved him. Verses 15 through 17, we begin to see the ruin of and the remedy for sin. We, we begin to see some hope here because now there is this gift, Paul says, but the free gift isn't like the transgression. So now we're going to get back into the one, one, and this one, and that one. And Paul's comparison, okay, Paul's comparison of one man's sin and another man's righteousness. One man's disobedience, the other man's obedience, okay? For by one transgression, many people died. Much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of God of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to the many. So, one man's sin, we all die. One man, capital M, God, but Jesus is all man. He's all God. There brings this gift of grace, this gospel, the reconciliation. You see, the difficulty in this passage is verse 12 starts with therefore, and it's directly connected to the prior passage that we talked about several weeks ago 
about how we have received our reconciliation. Remember, when we reconcile in a relationship, we're mad at each other. We're not friends anymore. BFFs no more, right? Um, beautiful stories of a couple who got divorced, but then by the grace of God, they reconciled and God made something beautiful out of the ashes, right? In our salvation, we are reconciled to God and to, uh, because of Jesus Christ, we are reconciled to God from whom we were separated because of the sin of Adam, because of our sinfulness. So remember, verse 11, we're reconciled. Therefore, Paul says in verse 12, and here we are, therefore, okay? So the reason we need a Savior, but now we see the ruin of and the remedy uh, for one man's sin. So now we have gift and grace in the equation. So now all of a sudden there is hope, right? So um, the gift in verse 16 is not like that which came through the one who sinned. Why? Judgment came. Judgment arose from the one man's sin that resulted in condemnation for all of mankind. Adam's sin resulted in condemnation. It separated him from God, and it separated us from God. But on the other hand, amen, the free gift came from many transgressions resulting in justification. So now here the theme of justification from the very beginning of chapter 5 that we talked about therefore verse 1 having been justified by faith we are justified the judge says you are innocent now even though you were guilty he's the judge he has declared you not guilty why because jesus took the penalty for your crimes and mine and we leave the courtroom free men and women even though we didn't deserve to because of Jesus, we do deserve to. Justification. So, now, one man's sin brought judgment and condemnation. Another man's grace and gift brings reconciliation. And now we see again righteousness resulting in justification. God says, Jesus, you are, Jesus you are going to bring the gift of salvation yourself, the gift of salvation to my people. So we see the remedy for sin is the gift of grace through, I don't like to be a nerd, but prepositions are really important in the Bible, through Jesus Christ. Look, there is only one way to be right with God and be in right standing to be righteous. That is through Jesus Christ. There are those in our culture who say there are many paths to God as long as we all just believe and get to the top of the mountain. It doesn't matter which side we come up. That it sounds really nice so we can all hold hands, sing Kumbaya and get along, but it's just not true. And while there are some really nice people in our culture who believe that and they have influence and a voice and even their own TV networks in our culture, um, and they're nice folks. I, I like lots of them. I'm just not going to name them because I'm not slinging mud um, this morning, at least not yet. But, but that's not true. That, are, that is not true. It's only one way to be right with God, and that is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Bible is very, very plain. Even here, 
about that. So we see one man, one sin, condemnation and judgment. We see death's reign through one man and one sin. But now we see being God's people being reconciled and justified because God has been gracious towards people, you, me, us, who have, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you have been reconciled. Now you, we, children of God, are in right relationship with Him. Now, he's very specific here. And in verses 18 through 21, we see the result of one man's obedience. So now the comparison is one man's disobedience, another man's obedience. I mean, I think in this passage, I think I counted the word sin eight times and the word transgression seven times. I really thought there was going to be a nuance of difference there. But truthfully, transgression with a slightly different definition doesn't change the passage a whole lot. Although it's interesting if you think of transgression as a violation, a violation or a breaking of God's law. Uh, by the way, Paul's going to talk a lot about the law in the book of Romans, and he's going he's gonna to open that can right here in this passage, and that also is something that we need to address specifically. So, but we're going to see, and this, is, this should be encouraging, and this should be an amen piece here in verses 18 through 21, the result of one man's obedience. Just then, he says, so then. So when, when the Bible says that, it's going to be kind of like a recap. So then, he's saying everything we just talked about from 12 to 17 here. So then, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. Now, to all men who come to, and women who come to faith in Jesus. The Bible is very specific about that. So, verse 19, one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. One man's um, um, obedience, many will be made righteous. Notice in 19, he says many, not all. Many will be made righteous. Listen, I say this a lot. If you're saved, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God sees you as the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. God sees you through Jesus because Jesus has made you actively righteous. If you go back to Romans 5, verse 2, remember, we are standing. We are, it is happening in the present and will continue into the future. Believers, followers of Jesus are standing in God's grace, which means you will continue to stand in God's grace. That is important here because we see verse 19 through the obedience of the one many will be made righteous you are standing in god's grace because of jesus you have favor with god another word for grace you have favor with god because of jesus so verse 19 and then 20 and i'm going to work it here a little bit and not keep you through lunch but here comes the law. This is very, this has always intrigued me. It really has. Um, the law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. 
This is interesting. The purpose of the law is to identify sin, and the purpose of the law identifies sinners. Now listen, I know that the law, if you will, and our country's laws are basic are, are based are based in these Judeo-Christian values that originally came from the Bible, much of course looser now, um, and some would beg to differ, but it is a true statement. Um, so, so it is, the law establishes moral and legal norms for people. We need that when groups of people live in a society together, there need to be legal and moral norms for people to live by. But here we see that the purpose of the law is to identify sin. So Moses comes, God gives the Ten Commandments, children of Israel, excuse me. Then the book of Leviticus, the first book of the law, is simply how God wanted the Israelites to live in light of those commandments. Second book of the law, Deuteronomy, Deutero, law. Um, ex just expands upon that some more. God's giving his people um, um, just instructions for good, healthy, moral, right, um, and righteous living. So that, so that, as sin reigned in death, verse 21. So this is kind of like the pinnacle, the last verse of the chapter. All right, before I go there. So, so, so sin, I mean, the law simply identifies sin and sinners. When, and I couldn't tell the car in front of me caught that flashing light yesterday or I did. I'm really, I'm really, I stopped, but, um, but the car in front of me didn't. Um, but the law identifies <laughs> those who break the law. Sometimes that identification comes to you in the mail in the form of a picture of your tag number with either 40 or $70, depending on whether you ran a red light or you were speeding, okay? So the law identifies sin and sinners. There's a reason for the law, and there's practical reasons for the law. But here in the Word of God, Listen, it's pretty simple. God gave us a lot. It but why? If, if I don't know that I'm a sinner, if I feel no, no guilt for what I have done, if I can't identify, we can't identify right and wrong, not going to be able to identify my, my need for a Savior or my need to do something differently. The law is good. That's the other argument Paul will make in the book of Romans. The law is good. Why? It identifies sin, sinfulness, and sinners. And therefore, um, we can move forward from there and some will come to Christ. Uh, sounds simple, but very important. And in closing, so that, another, so that, another, um, this is why we're talking about this. We're talking about this because, last verse of the chapter, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, talking about reigning, sin was in charge. Sin reigned. Now, Jesus says, because of the grace of God and Jesus Christ, okay, righteousness, eternal life reigns through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, so reigning and ruling gives us that idea of a kingdom and of someone being in charge. Amen? Amen. Listen, it, here's what it caused me to think. 
I don't get to come to God on my terms. There were some conversations going on yesterday, and I thought the, a person that was involved in the conversation really wanted God, really wanted to deal with God. Yeah, me and God are cool. He wanted to deal with God on his terms. He wanted to give God a shout out in his next hip hop song, but, but he doesn't want to live on God's terms. He wants to live on his terms, but give God a little shout out so they can be cool. That's not how it works. And, and, and I don't condemn my friends and I don't judge my friends. These are ongoing conversations. We all need Jesus. Amen. But listen, so this, this idea of a kingdom, there's this idea of reigning. So who reigns and what reigns and who's in charge? The grace of God reigns. Jesus Christ is in charge. Sin and death are no longer ruling and reigning in your life if you're a follower of Jesus and in my life. So is this important? This is crucial, crucial to our foundation of beliefs as followers of Jesus. Important because when you share the gospel with others, why do I need Jesus? I'm a good, hey, I'm basically a good person. Look, I'm not, I'm not out there, I'm not out there uh, uh, killing, robbing, and pillaging the city. You know, I'm not as bad as those other people. Uh, I'm okay, really. Um, I did this, that, or the other. You know, when we have those conversations, one, it's most important to love people and share the gospel. When we share the gospel, we have to share the truth of the gospel. And, and it's so important here that people understand the reason we need a Savior. That people, we, and then others, understand the ruin of and the remedy for sin that we understand the consequences of one man's disobedience even my own right right my own personal sinfulness and one man's obedience what jesus did opened the door for salvation for those who would believe god's grace jesus salvation amen holy spirit fills teaches guides holy spirit is not a stepchild holy spirit i try not to use the article the in front of I wouldn't say that's the Erica or the Selena. It's Holy Spirit. My friend said that and it sounded weird and he kept saying it. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to say that too. Holy Spirit is not a stepchild. So that, look, let's end on the high note. As sin reigned in death, even so grace will or would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Be certain, and we need to understand ourselves and where we come from, our families of origin, know our strengths and our weaknesses, and we begin to, to understand where some of, I begin to understand where some of my own personal sinfulness and habits and things that mess up my relationships come from. And believe me, I am 55 years old. And... and Maybe I'm just a little bit of a slow learner. Maybe you'll get around the corner more quickly than I did. But Jesus Christ came, one man's obedience. My sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And as a follower, if you're a follower of Jesus, yours are as well. But obedience, obedience to God through Jesus is a big deal for us as believers listening to the Holy Spirit, knowing who I am and where I come from so that I can bring more glory to God is important. Amen.
go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I am encouraged today as we wrestle through a great passage of Scripture. I pray that each person here is encouraged this morning. Uh, dear God, I pray that if one friend here says, I need to know Jesus and I don't yet, that today will be that day to move out of Adam and into Jesus. Adam means death and judgment and condemnation. Jesus means life eternal and grace and reconciliation. So I pray that if one of my friends needs to come out of Adam and into Jesus, that it will be today. For those of us, Lord God, who follow you today as your children, I pray, Lord God, that you will uh, reveal the areas in our lives where we need that obedience. Father God, that we can pray for forgiveness, that we can claim your grace in a fresh way in our daily lives and have victory, Lord God. Thank you for your word today in Jesus' name. Amen.